O Lord our God, who art the author of all things, and by whom and of whom all things consist. We come into thy presence, mindful of the grief, the sin, and the evil which prevails in the world. Thou hast made all things for thy glory, and we know that all things, O Lord, shall show forth thy glory and thy holiness. Grant that as we face this world, we are ever mindful, O Lord, that it is the sin of man that has brought forth these things, and out of these things thou shalt bring forth thy righteousness thy perfect justice, and thy sure mercies. Grant that we walk, O Lord, ever mindful that greater is he that is with us and in us than he that is in the world, and that we are more than conquerors. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in his name we pray. Amen. Our scripture this morning is from Leviticus, the 20th chapter, verses 22 through 26. And our subject is the land and holiness. Leviticus 20, 22 through 26. The land and holiness. Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments, and do them, that the land wherein I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out. And ye shall not walk in the manners of the nations which I cast out before you, for they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. But I have said unto you, Ye shall inherit their land, and I will give it unto you to possess it land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Ye shall therefore put difference between clean beasts and unclean, and between unclean fowls and clean. And ye shall not make your souls abominable by beast or by fowl, or by any manner of living thing that creepeth on the ground, which I have separated from you as unclean. And ye shall be holy unto me, for I the Lord am holy, and have severed you from other people, that ye should be mine. W. D. Davies, an expert on problems relating to the land, has discussed in a book on the Bible and the land, the biblical premise concerning the earth. The earth is the Lord's, and therefore, Davy said, some of the ways which Scripture says that this ownership is expressed are as follows. First, because the earth is the Lord's. He can, therefore, give it to whomsoever he wills. And therefore he takes it from one and gives it to another, as in our text he tells Israel, I took this land from the Canaanites, 
and I have given it to you. The land since has been given to a series of peoples, not only Canaan, but every part of the earth has changed hands and been ruled by one group after another. Second, God says the tithes, gleanings, the offerings of the first fruits, firstlings, the firstborn, and much more. All are his. They are to indicate his ownership of the land and are his tax. Then third, God requires the keeping of the Sabbath, not only by man, but by the land as well. And fourth, because God is holy, all his creatures and all his creation must be holy. And this in particular is our concern today. In Numbers 35, 30 to 34, which we considered some few months ago, we saw that any murderer had to be dealt with, that murder could not go unpunished. Indeed, if a murderer could not be found in a particular crime, then the community nearest to the place of murder had to make some kind of restitution. Otherwise, the land would be polluted. So that it was mandatory that there be restitution, that the broken, the destroyed holiness be restored. Moreover, when God says that the land is to be holy and the people are to be holy, he does not use the language, nor does scripture anywhere use the language that we are prone to use, such as the holy land. We speak of Palestine as the Holy Land, as though the land in and of itself were holy. Now that's contrary to Scripture. Holiness is not something that inheres, that belongs to anything. It is derivative. It comes from God. So that we are holy if we are separated to and dedicated unto God. A place, a building, an area is holy if it too is separated unto God and used in terms of his purposes. So that holiness is not something that inheres, it is something that belongs to God alone. And when we are faithful to the Lord, then we too become holy. Thus it is not a personal attribute, it is a spiritual attainment. On the other hand, 
God made everything good. He made all things holy, and to the pure all things are holy, because we know that God made them and they are dedicated to his purpose. They may be defiled, but they need to be cleansed so that their holiness can be restored. So that, uh, for example, we read in Isaiah 6-8, when Isaiah describes his great vision in the temple, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, when Isaiah had that vision, and when the seraphim were singing those lines, powers of the world were certainly as evil as they are today. And certainly the remnant of the faithful was very limited. So that the whole earth, you might say, was filled with evil. But the seraphim cried out, the whole earth is full of his glory. Now, some have said that this is a prediction of the future. But the seraphim does not say the whole earth shall be full of his glory. It declares the fact that the whole earth is full of his glory. The glory is both present and eternal. The whole of creation not merely the whole earth is his glory. So that all things are glorious because God made them so. And it is the blindness of men that keeps them from understanding and seeing the glory of God in all creation. Just as sin blinds us and sin pollutes us, it keeps us from seeing what God is and what his creation is. Now, this is an important point because when the seraphim say the whole earth is, is full of his glory, what they are saying is that man cannot by his sin secularize anything. We live in an age which says this is secular and this is holy. In other words, it limits God's holiness to certain things, like the church, the Bible, prayer, missionaries, and a few things like that. The whole earth is full of his glory. We cannot secularize and say, no, this is separated from God. It is not. It is defiled in the presence of God, but it can never be separated from him. It can never be called by its nature evil or separate or unholy. It is defiled, but it was made holy. And God will purge sin from the earth and make all things holy again in his sight. 
But in due time the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts hath spoken it, Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 41.5. God made all things good and therefore holy. Man's sin defiles the earth, and it defiles man. But man's sin cannot alienate and secularize any aspect of creation. Even in sin, man and the earth are God's creation. The whole point of judgment in Scripture is this, to purge out the defilement of God's possession, of God's creation, in order to restore the essential holiness with which all things were created. To be holy means two things. To be separated from certain things. Very obviously, to be holy means to be separated from sin. That's the negative side. The positive side is, second, that holiness means dedicated to something, dedicated to the Lord, used for him, made his possession as totally as possible. The earth thus can be defiled, but it cannot be separated from God. God's purpose is to remake heaven and earth, and to remake it in terms of the eternal perfection of his plan. In Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5, we have the description of that recreation of all things. Moreover, the land was holy before Israel conquered Canaan. And because the people were defiling themselves and the land, God says in our scripture that he cast out the nations which were there before you. For they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. Thus, God declares that Canaanites were cast out by himself. Moreover, in Leviticus 18, 24 through 30, God makes it clear that he was the one who was essentially responsible for the victories of Israel. God possesses and dwells upon earth. The whole earth is full of his glory, the seraphim said. Hence, as Leviticus 22 following declares, Defile not, therefore, the land which ye shall inhabit wherein I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell among the children of Israel. Numbers 35 verse 34 says the same thing. 
Because God dwells in the land, therefore, it must not be defiled. And if we defile it, we are cast out. Now it is absurd to limit this to the to Palestine, to what is called the Holy Land. And I pointed out the term is an unfortunate one. The whole earth was created by God. And therefore, God declares he judges the nations. In Isaiah, we have a long section, chapter after chapter, in which the nations of antiquity are summoned to judgment and their downfall predicted. Why? Because the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. This was not only true in Old Testament times, but it's true today. So that the nations shall be judged by God in every generation. And hence the certainty of generation in our time. And what happens when we defile the land? The land will spew you out, God says. The land does God's work. Blessings and curses which God sends to those who are faithful and to those who are faithless are natural disasters. Deuteronomy 28 gives us all the blessings that flow and the curses which flow to faithfulness and to unfaithfulness. If we defile the land, the land spews us out. Land is holy unto the Lord. And when it is defiled, it spews out those who defile it. Now there's a very interesting point here that people often overlook. Men can go, and some very definitely do, to hell. But we are told that God will remake the whole of creation. So that this world we live in the whole of the universe is going to be remade. It's going to be remade in a way that is beyond our imagining. It will be heaven and earth as one unified creation. Nothing in this material universe will go to hell. The only thing material in hell will be the resurrected bodies of the reprobate. Now there are some who question whether the reprobate will be resurrected, but there are scriptures that tell us this very emphatically. For example, Daniel 12, verse 2, John 5, verses 28 and 29, Acts 24, verse 15, and Revelation 20, 13 through 15. Thus, 
hell is the habitation of the reprobate. But this physical universe is going to be recreated and made anew. It will be the habitation of all God's redeemed ones. Thus, the spewing out is a process that takes place in history. When judgment overwhelms nations, we live in a time of judgment. We are moving towards it, and all the politicians of the world are trying to prevent that judgment, which shall come upon them economically and politically and naturally in what happens in natural disasters. But the spewing out is also an event at the end of the world when the finality of that judgment occurs. The nature of the whole of creation demands holiness because it was made by God who made things with character, so that the earth spews out as unnatural all that defiles it. And the scripture tells us that sin, because it is a defilement of that nature with which God made us, is something which is unnatural for us. Psalm 139 is the great psalm concerning that. God cannot be escaped, the psalmist says. Though I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. God haunts every man. Every Adam and every man's being cries out against himself, against his sin, because God made every atom in creation. St. Augustine echoed Psalm 139 when he said at the very beginning of his confessions, Our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. Francis Thompson, in the greatest single poem in the English language, The Hound of Heaven, said the same thing, echoing both Psalm 139 and also Augustine. Because he says in this poem, when he describes God pursuing him as he tries to escape from God, to find refuge in nature, in friendship, in love, in children, in one thing after another, and nothing satisfies him apart from God. And he hears the voice of God saying, All things betray thee who betrayest me. There is an eschatology in the earth. It is God's creation and therefore it serves him. The very ground beneath our feet serves God and moves in terms of his purpose. Every atom of our being was made by God, and therefore serves him and him alone. 
so that when we attempt to serve ourselves, our hearts cry out within us, they witness against us, for he made us for his own purpose, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Let us pray. Holy, holy, holy art thou, O Lord, and heaven and earth are full of thy glory. O Lord, our God, thy glory resounds in all creation and in all our being. Give us grace, O Lord, to shut out the voice of our own sins and to hear thee and echo the cry of the seraphim to rejoice, for it is thou, O Lord, who dost govern all things. It is thy purpose alone which shall prevail, and even the wrath of man shall praise thee. Give us grace, therefore, our Father, day by day, to take hands off our lives and to commit them into thy omnipotent hand to trust in thee step by step all the days of our life, to rejoice in thee. And know, O Lord, that thou shalt prevail. Thy kingdom shall come. Thy kingdom shall and does govern all creation. Our God, we praise thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any questions now, first of all, on our lesson? Yes. Chapter 9 of... 19, I'm sorry. 19, verse 8 of Leviticus. Yes. That the soul shall be cut off from among his people. Does this tie the... You were, you were explaining that there was separation of the so-called secular from the religious, mm-hmm. the spiritual. Does this also bring a oneness to the physical material? In harm and with the spiritual, this last section where it says, uh, "Their soul soul shall be cut off from among his people." Yes. Now that expression uh, shall be cut off from among his people, uh, depending on the context, apparently has two meanings. One is excommunication, and the other is death, the death penalty. So it depends upon the particular offense and the context. Excommunication, of course, uh, means that we are not made secular, but we are judged because we who are holy have defiled ourselves. So that judgment emphasizes the necessary holiness of all things. So when things are not holy... They are judged. So the division is not between uh, sacred and secular. 
but between holy and something which is defiled but should be holy. So, uh, there's a, a world of difference. In other words, let's put it on a very practical, everyday level. If I choose to break the laws of the state of California, I do not therefore exempt myself from the laws of the state of California. I cannot say, well, I have broken the laws. I've broken ten of them. Therefore, the state has no claim on me. I've made myself to be outside its jurisdiction. That's impossible. All I've done is to make myself liable to their penalties. So, the idea of secularity is that I can say, uh, I've seceded from your universe, God. And that's an impossibility. It is possible to secede from a country or to leave it. But you can't secede from God's creation. Therefore, secularism is an impossibility. It's a common faith, but it's a faith in unreality. No man can be secular, separated from God. He can only be guilty before God and therefore liable to judgment. <clears throat> yes. In Genesis, Lord speaks of uh, God's creating the heaven and the earth in six days, resting the seventh. Then the mist goes up and the term Lord God is used. Is there any significance? Uh, yes. Uh, the term Lord God, the Lord, where it is capitalized in the King James Version, refers to the name of God, Jehovah or Yahweh. Now, the Jews avoided, as did the ancient Hebrews, any reference in speaking to the name of God because they were afraid they would uh, take the name of the Lord in vain. So, in the first chapter of Genesis, it says that God made heaven and earth. And... Uh, the usage there, of course, is Elohim. Now, when in the second chapter you have the Lord God, now it is the covenant name indicating that God has entered into covenant with his creature, man. So the covenant name, the personal name, is now used. So in the first chapter, of course, it is the story of creation. But in the second, the Lord God is used to indicate God now has entered into covenant with one of his creatures, man. 
Yes. Uh, the term secular versus, as opposed to uh, sacred, uh, we as Christians understand it, I imagine, in an entirely different way in which it's used by the secular world, if there is, which we recognize not to be such a thing. Where did the term come in? Well, in, uh, was it last month's uh, Chalcedon Report, I dealt with secularism, or is it in the forthcoming one? I forget. <laughs> any rate, I pointed out there are two usages of secular. One is uh, that which is of the laity. So in that sense, secular humanism would be humanism practiced by laymen rather than, say, a Unitarian minister. And secular Christianity would be Christianity practiced by people in their everyday lives. On the other hand, secular as opposed to sacred means that which is separated from God. And in that sense, there, nothing can be secular. So that usage, which is a newer and very prevalent usage now, is very, very wrong. Now, this past week, uh, Senator Kennedy appeared at uh, the college connected with the Lynchburg Church, of which uh, Jerry Falwell is pastor. And he said that uh, religion should keep out of political affairs. Well, if God created man, no religion related to God or professing to be faithful to God can be silent on anything because then it is betraying God. What should be said to Senator Kennedy is let the state keep out of the church. But of course uh, he believes whatever faith he professes in the omnipotence of the state and therefore the state has the right to be in everything. Yes, Bob. What about the uh, reprobate? He's cast out and he's separated from God completely, isn't he? Once he's, he's punished and sent to hell forever and ever? He is separated from the love of God, but not the judgment. You see. He's not outside God's universe so that hell is under the government of God. Yes. The point that you were just making about uh, defining secularism, I seem to be having trouble with the tenses, past, future, mm -hmm. in that in the one instance we're saying that heaven and earth shall be unified, which means in the future that God will make the two one. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I hear thy kingdom come versus thy kingdom is come. Mm -hmm. Yes. Am I making, what am I doing? Yes. No, uh, very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Because first of all, the kingdom is both present and future. God is governing all things today. But the kingdom is coming in that we not yet fully obey him. When we do, the kingdom will have come in our own lives. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, God made all things. God knows what is happening. It's nothing happens outside his plan and government. He is giving evil a chance to develop its potentialities so that we may see and we may learn. So there's a process of maturity. He created all things good, but not mature. A seed is good, but it is not yet a tree. And in the process of growing, it has to have all kinds of weather. Spring, summer, winter, fall weather. So too, the historical process is comparable to that. It has to endure the weather of sin. So, thy kingdom come means in due time, God's kingdom is going to come in our hearts and we will be fully a part of it in our obedience that all things will praise and serve him as they should. They will have matured into perfection. Yes? I want to make sure the reprobate definitely he's got coming. <laughs> he does. I'm sure he does. But I, I, I want to get it a little bit straight in my mind. I remember you saying once that I've always, always stuck in my mind was when you said that hell truly is when a man lives without God's law, or God's law does not exist. It's when you really think about it and you take all facets of it, it's, it's unbelievable how bad it could be without law. It, would be terrible. So, if there is no God's law, that truly would be hell. To live without how be, God. How could he be uh, uh, united with God in any way? Yes. If he lives, if a man lives without God and without His law word, he is in hell. But he is still there because God has so ordained it. In other words, he's not living in a blank. The men who are in prison in uh, San Quentin and Folsom are outside of citizenship, but they're still within the boundaries of the state of California and under the judgment of California. So the men outside of God's grace and mercy and love in hell are living outside God's blessing and totally under his curse. But that's still being within God's government. Yes. Well, then in the new creation, then, where there will be no sin, and we are perfected and reached our glorification, that only really applies to the redeemed individual because hell will still exist. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. We shall continue next time with uh, more about the land and the holiness of the land because we have a problem in our time in that some people have 
made the land in itself to be holy, and you have a lot of these environmentalists and uh, ecologists who really deify the land and get us into all kinds of evil uh, situations whereby we really have no right to touch uh, the holy earth. We are the polluters. They have fallen into a Manichaeanism in which man is bad and the earth is good. So, in dealing with the theology of the land, we have to distinguish ourselves carefully from all such thinking. It, it's so prevalent today that uh, it constitutes a real menace to the future of man. Any other questions or statements or anything before we have our benediction? Well, if not, let us bow our heads now in prayer. O Lord our God, how great Thou art, and how marvelous Thy grace and mercy unto us. We thank Thee that all the days of our life we live and move and have our being, and that underneath all the experiences of life are Thine everlasting arms. Give us grace, therefore, to come to Thee day by day, to cast our every care upon thee who carest for us. We pray for those of our number who are ill or are absent as are the Saunders because of death in the family. Be with them to comfort, strengthen, and bless them. And now go in peace, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost bless you and keep you, guide and protect you, this day and always. Amen.